and you're listening to Art Smitten on Sin. That Yay. indeed you are. <laughs> and we've got our guest here in the studio with us right now. He is the Special Projects Coordinator with the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra, Carl Knapp. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Well, we're very pleased to have you here in the studio. Just for people who are unaware, could you give us a brief primer as to what the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra is? Yeah, so the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra is the oldest orchestra in Australia. Um, we're over 100 years old now, um, and basically it is a collection of extremely talented musicians. We've got about 80 full-time musicians on staff, and they perform everything from Baroque music through to Romantic classical music and now we do a lot of um, contemporary projects like film projects um, collaborations with rock and pop artists um, right through to small ensemble gigs at restaurants and wineries Um, so my role at the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra is managing what we call our special projects uh, and those are the non-classical programs that we put on so that is the film projects and the collaborations with rock artists and collaborations with other arts companies Um, so that's Melbourne Symphony Orchestra. Okay so we'll get into some of those projects in a moment but I just wanted to ask ask you, you mentioned that the musicians were full-time. So yep. is this like a nine-to-five job? Do they just come into the office and then discuss what's going on? Yeah, or? sure. I mean, we call them full-time. It's not nine-to-five as such. Obviously, they're working a lot of concerts at nights. Mm-hmm. So generally speaking, a, a normal week for the musician would be two to three days of rehearsals, either at Hamer Hall or in our studios at the ABC at Iwaki, mm-hmm. and then two to three performances on the weekends. So they're not necessarily working, you know, the 36 hours a week, but then, you know, in terms of being in our office or on stage, they're probably working about 20 hours but then they have to practice outside of that a lot of them teach a lot of them do other projects outside of that so they um they definitely keep themselves busy yeah so i was wondering with the film experience type of projects what's the process of adapting like the music from a film like do you take the exact music from the film or do you compose new things like what's the process of adapting that to a live music experience yeah that's a really good question i mean when the uh, score is recorded in the first instance it takes them weeks and weeks in studios to record them and they go back and forth redo cues a million times to get it absolutely perfect uh, when we're doing the film projects, we're doing the entire score completely live in sync to the film. So it puts a lot of pressure on the musicians to get everything right. It puts a lot of pressure on the conductor to get everything right, because if you get it wrong, then it puts the entire thing mm-hmm. out of sync. Um, so basically the scores are slightly altered to make that more possible. They're not um, verbatim exactly what was happening in the recording studios when the scores were being recorded. But what you're hearing is essentially what you're hearing when you're watching the films, just on a much grander scale with the music happening live in front of you on stage while the film being played above the musicians. But yeah, because you're doing um, the Little Mermaid in early September. Yep. Um, so I was, yeah, that's that's what I was wondering. Like, how hard is it to get, let's say, like the music in time with the wave like crashing yeah, sure. behind mm. Ariel in that famous shot? Yeah. So there's this really interesting system that we have set up um, in front of the conductor, which is a conductor sync video, mm. and it's essentially the film playing on a little video in front of the conductor. But it has all of these extra information and data to help the conductor keep the orchestra perfectly in sync. So if you mm. actually watch it, you'll see a number of what they call um, banners going past the screen and they'll go along the screen from left to right and as they hit the right-hand side of the screen, that's a certain sync point the conductor needs to hit perfectly. Now, that's not always displayed. Sometimes the conductor is given a bit of freedom to conduct um, with a bit more space and to conduct at their tempo, but there are certain moments where, as you say, in The Little Mermaid, there are moments where there does need to be perfectly in sync and the conductor needs to be watching that screen really, really closely. It's almost like if you can imagine the game Guitar Hero, mm-hmm. but for <laughs> conducting, you know? Yeah. yeah. That would be an awesome well, video game, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, Conductor Hero. Hero. Yeah, <laughs> but if you get it wrong in a live performance, then it's very, very bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Has that ever happened? Uh, you know, <laughs> obviously there's, you know, little 
bits and pieces here, but you know, all the conductors we have are extremely professional at this. They do it all the time, hmm. and um, you know, it's not to the extent that anyone I don't think would ever notice, other than the conductor and the musicians themselves. Yeah. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you have quite a few projects coming up that we're going to get into. So, what is the process of because you're the special projects coordinator? Yeah. Um, how do you go about choosing these? Like, what's the process of deciding what gets put on? Yeah. So we're at the moment actually we're programming well deep into 2020, which I can't reveal any of that to you at this point. Oh, well, you um, can reveal one actually. Which <laughs> yeah, actually announced. we can reveal one that we yeah. just announced, Skyfall. But um, <laughs> essentially, myself and my colleague Andrew Pogson, who's a senior manager of special projects, um, we'll get together at various points throughout the year and we'll um, just brainstorm ideas that we have. Um, some of these projects will exist as um, products that have been created by production teams overseas, for example, um, and they put together all of the video elements and the scores and we can kind of purchase that product. Um, other ones like the Nick Cave and Warren Ellis project that we are putting on next week is completely uh, created by the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra. Um, so there's no existing product out there. We've conceived of it. Mm. We've um, engaged an arranger to put together all the scores. We've put together all the video elements ourselves. And so this is something that is completely new for the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra and is actually a world premiere. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's super exciting. Yeah. Yes. Now, Carl, last year I attended a Joe Hisaishi in concert, which yep. I understand you had a part in um, pulling together. Yeah, that yes. was an incredibly exciting project. Mm. Um, we were the first orchestra in Australia to do it. It had been mm. done overseas before. But the reaction to that project um, was unlike anything we've ever seen before. So for people that don't know, Joe Hisashi is the composer of a lot of the music for the Studio Ghibli Empire. Mm. Um, he's composed music for films like Howl's Moving Castle and Spirited Away. Um, and it was just such an honour for the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra to be able to have him in Melbourne conducting his music to an auditorium of just adoring fans. Mm. I've n- never seen anything like it. There were people in tears. There was people that had come from all over the world to see this project. And you've touched on the point yeah. I wanted to make actually because the concert sold out within seconds of it going yeah, exactly, live yeah. and yeah people just absolutely adored it it just did it surprise you the reaction to that concert series um it did it definitely surprised us the how quickly it sold out but as a as a great lover of those films and a great lover of that music you know i, I was confident that you know there'd be plenty of other people out there who love that music as much as i do um joe sashi is capable of just creating such incredible um and emotive music that only he could create music that keeps up with um the films of miyazaki in terms of really moving you and really taking you on such a journey and a lot of that journey is about flight as well. You just see these oh, themes yes. of flight coming around over and over again, and there's such flight in his music. As yeah. there is in uh, the movies of uh, Hayao Miyazaki. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Now, I understand that the Nick Cave and Warris, El- Warren Ellis excuse me, event you've got coming up, um, that's sort of like a similar structure because it's not just the one film you're showing, it's a number of their projects that they've done on the screen. Yeah, precisely. So it's almost identical in the way it's structured. So what we're doing is putting together a series of suites of films that Nick Cave and Warren Ellis have composed together. Um, and as with that project, there will be you know certain video elements behind it. We'll have live footage of what's happening on stage. And yeah, it's just a really fantastic uh, exhibition of composers who are really at the top of their game at the moment. And in terms of the 21st century composers, I'd say Hisashi and um, Kevin Ellis are three of the great composers of the 21st century. Yeah. For sure. I mean, yeah. their score for Hello High Water, yeah, yeah. to some Kevin Ellis, is absolutely wonderful. Yeah, so Hello High Water is one of the ones that we'll be doing a suite of. And it's that film in general is representative of the films that they've scored, these kind of really um, sparse, neo-Western, I guess, epics and 
their music kind of really has that minimalist quality to it, um, really rich kind of string textures, a whole lot, lot of bass loops going on, choral elements coming in, and just really um, perfectly represents these kind of vast landscapes that you see the characters in films like Hello High Water travel through. Mm. Um, I was wondering, from sort of conceptualization of one of these projects to the execution and the performance of it, how long is that? period. Yeah, sure. So at the moment, we're probably programming some projects towards the end of 2020. So you're talking at least a year to kind of conceptualize a project. Um, There's all sorts of processes to go through. You need to um, hire arrangers to arrange all the music into scores that the orchestra can then read and play. Uh, You need to go through all sorts of hoops in terms of licensing of music. Um, You know, if we're putting together video elements, you need to do that. So it's, it's quite a long process. And we really think about the projects we're doing and make sure that we're performing scores that people love um, and that are worthy of an organisation like the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra. Yeah. Awesome. Mm. Is, has there been like a dream film score that you mm. I know, like, maybe haven't tackled yet or like mm. one that seemed like a... The, one that was a dream but was, was, has since become a reality. Yeah, I mean, for me, this Nick Cave and Warren Ellis project that mm. we were actually doing next week was one that I really thought would be something that I'd really love to do when I started in this job. Um, obviously, two you know, great titans of music from Victoria um, mm. who are incredibly famous in their own right from their Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds projects, Warren Ellis, obviously, in the Dirty Three. But mm. perhaps slightly lesser known are their film scores, and I just thought that this would be a project that hasn't been done anywhere else in the world. Um, you know, utilises the music of two really beloved Melbourne artists, and doing that with the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra as a world premiere, I just think has a really beautiful synergy to it. And mm. you know, and it was a real honour that Nick Cave and Warren Ellis chose the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra to premiere this project as well. So. For sure, it is. Mm. Now, a couple of the other concert series you've got coming up include Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix in concert. Yep. So you've done the first four Harry Potter movies, obviously. You're now moving on to the fifth. Uh, what kind of differences are there between producing the works of, say, John Williams and uh, who's the composer of the fourth movie, Christian? Well, uh, Patrick Doyle, uh, right? Patrick Doyle. Yeah. Yeah. And then Nicholas, Nicholas, oh, Nicholas Hooper for the fifth. Yeah, yeah, the fifth, yeah. yeah sorry, Patrick Doyle was the fourth. We're, yeah. we're up to the fifth one now. So we've got Nicholas Hooper. Hmm. Um, and, you know, for someone like Nicholas Hooper coming into this universe of Harry Potter, which, you know, the, the Sonic universe has been so defined by John Williams, hmm. it's a real challenge for, you know, a younger, um, less established composer to come in and still utilise those themes that John Williams has created for these scores. I mean, you'll still hear Hedwig's theme in there. Hmm. Um, you know, the Hedwig's theme being that iconic theme. Da, da, that da, 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 da. Exactly. It's <laughs> yeah. all played on the Celeste. Um, mm. So he'll still utilise these key themes, but he needs to bring his own kind of sonic universe to the film and kind of really beautifully, you know, meld those two worlds together, bring his own identity to it, but still have that recognisable sound that was created by John Williams in the first place. Mm. And I think in this film, he's done it particularly well. Um, There's a couple of brand new themes, um, Delors' Umbridge theme, Mm. um, which really perfectly encapsulates not so much her evil, but her her cunning and her ignorance in a way. Mm. Her theme is this really kind of silly descending string line that um, (laughs) just kind of really doesn't necessarily suggest that she's evil, but just suggests she's ignorant. And it's these kind of themes that, you know, really bring a lot to the film. And it's bizarre when you watch the film without these, which I often do because I get the video packages with all the films, with all the scores pulled out. And it just really 
is such an amazing way to build character, mm. which you really see in this particular theme that Nicholas Hooper has put together. Do you find that a bizarre mm. experience, watching these movies without the music? It's really bizarre. If anyone <laughs> ever gets the opportunity to, to do it, I mean, because you've still got the dialogue in these tracks, but you just don't have any of the music. Yeah. And it's, mm. it's, it's completely bizarre. Like these action scenes where all you can hear is people grunting. and you know, like, it's, it's, That would be crazy. Yeah, yeah. And, and it really does illuminate how much music brings to film and how important it is to, to film. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Just quickly to like finish up, since you just said about like watching something without the music, can you just say something to, to uh, anyone who hasn't maybe been to see um, a performance like this? What do you think it brings, like having the live music there? Like, what, how do you think that enhances the experience? Yeah, and I really would encourage anyone that hasn't been to any MSO show to come to an MSO show. There's nothing quite like seeing you know eighty to hundred musicians on stage, completely acoustic, no amplification. And these musicians that are more talented than anyone that you probably know at music, um, all together, just working in sync. In terms of the film projects themselves, it's really, it's almost greater than the sum of its parts. You know, you think about watching the film and hearing the score, but also being able to visualise, seeing what the musicians are doing while they're playing these scores, while having the film playing in the background. It just creates this really incredible and exciting event. And we do see people walking out of these film projects in tears and, you know, I'm sure mm-hmm. you would have seen in the Hisashi project. Yes. You know, people just have such an emotive response to seeing their favourite film scores being performed live while also getting to watch, you know, their favourite movies. Mm. So, yeah, I'd really encourage anyone that hasn't been to one of these projects to check it out. And speaking yeah. of favourite film scores, we alluded to Skyfall before. Yep. Have you considered doing a GoldenEye in concert performance? Yeah, GoldenEye, <laughs> that is, for someone my age, that's such a nostalgic film, you know, it just mm. came out, you know, when I was probably nine or ten and it was probably the bo- first Bond film that I saw. Mm. Um, it's not immediately on our list right now, but, you know, we're, we're always looking for new projects and, um, you know, I think GoldenEye is, is one of the more iconic Bond films of recent oh, yes. years, so it's, mm. yeah, without promising anything at this stage, I think it's definitely <laughs> something that would be on that. our radar going forward, <laughs> yeah. Awesome, thank uh, you But for so now, much. Skyfall, yeah, that's, yeah. that's yeah, very exciting. Yeah, so Skyfall, and particularly with Skyfall, I think, you know, Adele's um, Skyfall um, mm. Bond song, I think, is one of the most iconic so Bond nice. songs in a long time, so for I'm really sure. excited for that. Yeah. Yes, well, mm, yeah. Um, we've got to let you go, Carl Knapp, but uh, before we do, can you just remind us when Nick Cave and Warren Ellis, that uh, performance will be happening? I can. So we've got it. Uh, it's happening next week. So we've got the 7th, 8th, and 9th of August. That one's at Hamer Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, it is sold out. Keep your eyes peeled. There might be the odd ticket being released, but Ooh. you'll have to be pretty lucky on that one, I think. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But Harry Potter uh, and the Order of the Phoenix is the week the week after the following the 15th week. So we've got the 14th, 15th, and 16th of August oh, right. for mm-hmm. Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. And mm. Skyfall and concert, of course, will be in 2020. 2020. So we've got exciting. April 2020. So you know that one's on sale now, um, mm-hmm. and it will so. be a pretty incredible project. I think. Okay. Well, Great. once again, Carl Knapp, thank you very much for joining us here in the studio, and yes, all the best for everything that the MSO does in the future. Thanks so much for having us.